Welcome to Throwing Light. This is episode 20, Effective Altruism. get into the heart of all of the things I just want to say this is a light bulb moment it'll be shorter than the average podcast but it will have I think I'm going to add break for verses to the light bulb moments from here on out just for consistency and since I'm not doing them in addition to a regular episode so the heart of it is essentially how do we give and serve effectively, but specifically, how do we give effectively? Effective altruism was founded by a man named Peter Singer, and I don't have specific details. It's like a movement. There are events, and you can go. I actually first heard of it on the Paleo Women podcast. One of the women participated in an effective altruism event, I think, in San Francisco, And it just sort of piqued my interest. So I started doing my own research. And the essential idea is we often don't give very effectively. So $100 could save like thousands of lives. Our money, depending on how we give it, is more or less, quote unquote, effective. It's a very philosophical movement. Yeah, it's a very philosophical movement. And it's based on this concept, philosophical concept called utilitarianism. And the idea is that a life is a life. And so our tribe, our people that are closest to us are no more special or more important than another life on the other side of the world. Arguably, they're more special to us, obviously. But we who live in the richest parts of the world kind of have a responsibility to use what we have been given to help those who who were born in a part of the world that it's not like that. I think it's a compelling idea. And I'm not really, like, I just want to introduce you to the idea. And then in the show notes, there will be a lot of resources for how to how to learn more and how to get involved if you are interested. There are two, I think, basic principles that I find most compelling. The first is the idea of giving 10% of your income to an effective charity. And so Peter Singer, I think it's called effectivealtruism.org. He has another website called GiveWell that ranks charities on how effective and how really how effective they are, how how many lives they save and how they do that and how much it costs and how much money goes to the actual cause. I think the basic principle of how do I as an individual living and working in the U.S. with my own unique set of strengths, benefits, problems, concerns, how do I give effectively? How do I make the money that I have to give count. The 10% is kind of like they arrived at that number after tons of research. But what is interesting about that number 
if you have grown up in Christian circles, is that's the same percentage we are told to give for tithe. And tithe, if you're not familiar, is basically 10% of your income to the church. And doing that helps the church to do good. Whenever I see a Christian principle, and I say Christian because that's my frame of reference, that's where I'm coming from, but whenever I see something that I was taught coming up through Sunday school out in the world that is not affiliated with Christianity, but it has come to the same conclusion, I always perk up because I feel like this was like a mandate in the Old Testament, not a researched decision, but like a proclamation from what they felt was the God of the universe. And like thousands of years later, we do all this research and we're like, we should give 10%. <laughs> That's interesting to me. And I'm going to talk about why, why we give to where we give in just a minute. But the other principle, so when I was doing the research, Bill Gates kept coming up. He has a, so there's a couple things. He has a blog called Gates Notes. And there was this Essentially, it was an argument for why the world is actually getting better. I've talked a little bit on here about why there's this really great video that obviously I can't show you, but I encourage you to go to show notes and watch it because it's super encouraging. Things that used to kill large numbers of people regularly have largely been eradicated. So when we hear about the death of one child, we are devastated and outraged. And that's not exactly what the video said, but that's kind of what I took from it. We have gotten unused to the idea that people die all the time. You don't walk down the street and see like people being hanged or put up on crosses, things that were very much a part of our ancestors' daily lives. We are getting better and better at saving lives, preventing disease. This will come out the Thursday, almost two weeks after the shooting in Las Vegas. And I think when stuff like that happens, it's so demoralizing. And especially in our nation right now in the U.S., I think when something like that happens, it's so easy to just feel nothing but hopeless. It's never going to change. It's never going to get better. People are dying. One of the first things I watched on effective altruism is Adriano Menino. I think I'm saying that right. He did a video for Google on effective altruism, and, and he had a whole thing about the most effective charities. It was really good. I wanted to do a podcast to introduce you to effective altruism, not as an expert, not as to say like this is the way, but rather because it offers a perspective that is hopeful. There's a lot going on in our world, I think, that feels really hopeless. And so, you know, one of the things I want to do with Throwing Light is offer hope. I think one of the strongest arguments against effective altruism is some of this stuff I'm studying in my social work classes. But when we go in to help a community, community organizer or whatever organization you're from, 
it is arguably better to take a capacity and assets approach rather than a needs-based approach. So going into a community and saying, what strengths do they have and how can we empower this community to essentially fix the problems that they're facing themselves rather than just providing relief because people come to see themselves as a client needing to be saved and they lose the will to go out and work together on this problem with the organizations that have come to help or with the people in the community that are helping. I would say keep effective altruism in the back of your mind. Like think how can this be most beneficial to the people that I specifically want to help? Keith Epstein wrote an article called Crisis Mentality. He originally wrote it in 2006 in the Stanford Social Innovation Review, but there's an updated version that came out in 2009. You can find it online and it'll be on the show notes. It was this really fascinating article about how we give way more to crises and in the process, we undercut chronic conditions. So he had this chart that was really powerful of the people affected by, this was in 2006, so the people affected by Katrina, the amount of aid that came in to help hurricane victims, and they were all down the line. So people affected by AIDS, the amount of aid that goes to help people affected by AIDS. And what you found is the actual people who needed the aid in Katrina was way less, even if not just people who had died, but people who needed the aid, way less in comparison to the money that came in. On the other side, people who are affected by AIDS and the money that came in, it was completely the opposite. And they did this study. So they, for example, children who don't have enough food to eat, they sent 200 mailers or 500 mailers, and it was just a single child. Maya is this. There's a picture of her. And she's struggling with this. And can you please help? In the second group of mailers, same amount of people, they sent just statistics. They sent, this is the amount of children who are suffering from malnutrition. And will you please give to help this cause? And then the third set of mailers was both. So it was the girl and then the statistics and please help save a child. What they found was that So what was most effective was the first one, by a landslide, just the case study with the child, a story about her, people gave the most by far. So kind of the way that our brains are wired, we are all about the feelings, what moves us. For example, my parents were affected by Hurricane Irma. I was like moved and devastated and concerned for them. If we can relate to it, if it moves our feelings, then we are much more likely to give. So I read this separately from effective altruism, but I think that it's, it's important. I think that that's one way that the movement might fall short because it is using so much logic. There are going to be some people who are very logic-based who will be drawn to a movement like this and who will really want to give as effectively as possible. 
I don't consider myself super logic based, but I actually feel like I fall in that category just because there is a bit of logic in me, <laughs> funnily enough. But regardless of where you give and how you give, it actually is it's good for your health just on a selfish level. It's good for you. Secondly, obviously it's good for the world. <laughs> I think being thoughtful about where you're giving by things like effective altruism, you actually can make a difference in the world in a tangible way. That's empowering and that's encouraging. Yeah, I think that's all I have. I hope that it gave you some things to think about. Here it is, your break for verses. September 2nd, 2009. In many ways, I don't feel qualified to write this. After all, I haven't read all of the books in the world. And for some reason, my mind seems to feel like that's a prerequisite. I just finished my third day of my senior year and my insanely long commute in the congested D.C. metro area. I'm exhausted mentally, physically, figuratively, literally. You name it, it's tired. I'm sitting in borders in one of the big comfy brown chairs scribbling furiously in my own journal because the netbook is in the car. I like the organic feel of writing on paper. I'm not going to like going back later to decipher my handwriting, but for now I'm content. For the first time, I think. It's been rough. Tomorrow will mark the fifth month anniversary my husband got laid off. He's depressed. I'm anxious. We feel like statistics, and we are. And so here I am, in a crowded bookstore all decked out in unkempt hair and sweatpants. Here I am, exhausted, writing like my life depends on it. Because, in many ways, I think it does. A few words about what I hope this book is about. My past, your present, our future. Thank you for listening. I am honored and grateful. I would love it if you would leave a review on iTunes because it does fancy things with the algorithm and it helps me reach more people. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at brandyglows.com. If you have any questions or an idea for a future show, you can tweet me at brandyglows or email me at brandyglows at gmail.com.